Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to say a big Merry Christmas to you as we enter the month of December, and uh, we talk through this series and the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling it, It's Not Personal. But you know what? It really is. When it comes to the words of Jesus speaking to us in our life today, his words are very personal. We see that in the Sermon on the Mount. It translates to our life today. Why? Because Jesus is personal. He's a real person who lived a real life, died a real death, and he rose a real resurrection. And because of that, he's a real God, real Savior, and provides a real salvation and a real eternal life for anyone who would say yes. So you know what? It is personal. It's very personal because Jesus wants to meet you where you are, transform your life in a powerful way so that you can be who he desires you to be, so that you can experience real life right now, right here, in this very moment. And so it is personal. And so the teachings of Jesus are meant to be that way. And so when we open up the Bible, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and read the Sermon on the Mount, his first publicly recorded sermon, Jesus is speaking to people in a way like they've never heard before. And this is why. Because when Jesus talked to people, He dealt with the intents of the heart and not just the external action. You see, that's the way the law had been interpreted for the people. When I speak about the law, I'm talking about the law of Moses that's found in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But the law of God that was given to the people was a law that they interpreted to be external only. It didn't deal with the true foundation of where our problems lie, and that's internal. That's in the heart. You know why? Because they're human beings trying to look at human problems and solve them with human reasoning based upon God's Word. And we can't do what God came to do. Only God can do that. And so when Jesus is relaying his message to the people that day, what he's saying hit hit the religious leaders like a sledgehammer. It grabbed the people that were there listening. It grabbed their heart. And they said things like this at the end of this sermon. We have never heard anybody teach this way before. You know why? Because he taught like he had authority over it. Not authority to teach it, but authority over it. Like he actually wrote it, lived it, believed it, and was over all of it. And you know what? He was and he is. And that is because when Jesus spoke, he spoke with an intensity and an intention that went straight to the heart. And it pricked people's hearts. And if they let him, it changed their life. And so what Jesus is doing is contrasting his own authority as the original author and ultimate interpreter of the law with the false authority of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, and it's no different than you, 
you and me, the religious leaders were only doing what they knew how to do. And that was to read the word, interpret it from an external point of view and with external actions and then live by it. And that's what they were doing. But Jesus came to show us that this is that, that there is a deeper meaning and connection to the Word of God. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to obey it. It's another thing to believe it. And it's a completely another thing to let it transform you. And that's what Jesus wants His Word to do. He wants it to transform your life. And so that is what he's dealing with. That's why it was different when he spoke. That's why it was life-changing when he encountered people because he could see, not with Superman x-ray vision, but with God-created eye, creative eyes to be able to look all the way through us, see the intentions of our heart, and deal with us there. But he didn't do that to judge us. He did it to save us. And that's a huge difference. And so today, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see one of the most difficult principles lived out and taught to us today by the Savior of the world. Jesus today talks about how we are to treat our enemies. I'm telling you what, if you hadn't seen these, you ought to go back and listen to them because every one of these is very personal. He talked about he, he talked about murder in the heart, talked about adultery in the heart, talked about divorce, he talked about lying, he's talking about how to treat our enemies, and next week is kind of part one, next week's part two, how we love our enemies. I mean, it's just difficult. It's hard when Jesus is speaking to us about living out his teachings and his word. It's just difficult. Because we can't do it in our own strength and power. And the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, were trying to interpret this really the best way they knew how. And they said, look, I've never murdered anyone, so I can teach this. Jesus said, if you've, if you've murdered someone in your heart, you're just as guilty. If you've had a bad thought or a, 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 you've thought negatively to a point of hurting someone in your mind, he said, you're just as guilty. Adultery. I've never committed adultery, but Jesus said if you've lusted in your heart, you're just as guilty. He talks about divorce. He talks about making oaths and telling the truth and now about our enemies. Oh, God, what are you wanting to do in my life? It seems so difficult. It seems so hard. But what Jesus is saying is, look, it is hard. It's absolutely impossible apart from me and apart from my grace. And so what we're going to talk about today is how to hold on loosely. And, 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 and instead, of, instead of holding on tightly, we want you to hold on loosely and let it go. Because if we cling too tightly, the song says, we're going to lose control. And so Jesus said, we must learn how to release instead of retaliate. And so what we see today are two things. From the law of retaliation, we need to learn how to release rather than to retaliate. And we're going to talk about a law that is found in the Old Testament that we use all the time to justify retaliatory measures. And so Jesus is teaching here the principle of release rather than of retaliation. 
And so we see the law of retaliation here, and we see it in the law's way versus the Lord's way. Matthew 5, 38, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said. You have been taught this. And we've seen this over and over and over again. He says it multiple times in this sermon. You have been taught this way. You have heard that it was said, do this. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's right, baby. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Let's do it. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Let's go Old Testament on somebody. Well... That's a great way to think about it, I guess, but this is not the way we are to view this passage. This statement, this statement here is not a code of conduct for government. This is not the way, this was not written for the government and how they are to to treat other nations. This is not uh, written for... um, people in a pagan society. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was not, legis- was not legislating for the world, but for the church and his kingdom. Jesus is speaking to his people, to people that want to live according to his word. And he's saying, I'm going to give you a different way to respond. I'm going to show you and teach you how to release rather than retaliate. This law was actually much larger and and had many other things to say, but Moses simplified it in Exodus chapter 21. It was an Old Testament civil law given to prevent judges from handing down excessive sentences. The purpose of this law was to establish a foundation of justice by specifying the punishment a wrongdoer deserved and limiting the compensation a victim deserved to an equivalent amount and no more. The beauty in the law is that it provided a clear punishment of justice. If you take an eye, you give an eye. If you take a tooth, you give a tooth. You take a life, you give a life. That's what it is. It was given for a judicial system to hand down fair judgments and not something excessive or to give a victim a fair compensation rather than something uh, excessive. And so justice would come upon you in equal measures. Plus, it refrained people or restrained revenge or taking the law into someone's own hands. You and I have rights given to us by our creator. And when those rights are violated, you are able to seek justice. That's why we have a judicial system. That's why Israel was given this law. It's so that when people's rights were violated, they could go to the court system and they could receive a a justification for how they had been wronged. This law does not give somebody the freedom 
or ability to be wronged and then go seek out that person to retaliate and get revenge. That is not what this is. But that's the way the Pharisees treated it. The Pharisees interpreted this law this way. They said, because you have been wronged by this person, you can then go out, find that person, and you could give them the same punishment back. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. They said you, essentially, this law gave you the ability to become judge, jury, and executioner. That's what they said. That's the way they lived this out. Jesus said, this is what you have been taught, but this is what it means. God did not save us to be a judge, jury, or even executioner. God saved us and called us to be his witnesses. And so when we talk about the law of retaliation, there is the law's way. The law's way says an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. In other words, you go before the judge and the judge hands down a just sentence. It's not excessive to one party or the other. It's a fair judgment. That's the law's way of retaliation. Now we deal with the Lord's way. The Lord's way is what Jesus looks at over the next several verses. And so what he does in the next four verses, he gives us four examples that show the length to which people will go to hold their personal rights loosely. Just hold on loosely. Come on. Yeah, just don't let go. I mean, you cling too, tight, cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. We've got to hold on loosely to the things that have hurt us in our life. And so that's what Jesus is going to show us here. He said, I want you to hold loosely to these things rather than tightly. I don't want you to lose control. I want you to let me control you. So what are the four examples that he gives us? Number one, when a person insults us. Number two, when a person sues us. Number three, when a person forces us to do something against our will. And number four, when a person begs money from us. And so Jesus talks to us about how we are going to deal with these issues. The, na the, the reason people... Because people will read these kind of things and they'll say, this doesn't work in the real world. This, these things, these teachings don't work in the real world. We say that and we believe that because we're not looking for a way to apply biblical solutions to worldly problems. We want, we want what we want, and we want it to be justified by our actions, and that's what we do. The reason people feel this way is that they have had tried to apply these teachings to the wrong sort of circumstances. And so we are just made to feel like in the Christian world that we're just to be a doormat. Jesus never intended for you and me to be a doormat. Jesus wasn't a doormat, but Jesus lived a different life. Allowing people to run over you is one thing, but understanding that people are going to wrong you and you offering forgiveness or releasing that so it doesn't hold on to you and take you hostage is a completely different thing. And so when we see these four examples, number one, when a person insults us, what do we do? 
first, Jesus said, we release our rights to dignity. We release our rights to dignity. This is what Jesus said to do. But I tell you, remember, the law says you've been taught this an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you this. Don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to him as well. And so what Jesus is saying is, we're going to release our rights to dignity. In other words, when you see this statement, somebody slapping you on the cheek, that is not an open-handed slap. That's not a closed-fisted punch. This was a backhanded pop to the face. This is not a backhanded slap like this. It's just a little touch to the face, okay? What was significant about that? The backhanded slap in the Jewish culture was meant to be more of an insult than it was an injury because the backhanded slap would say that that person is not worth the time or the effort for me to give them a slap or a punch, okay? It's just a, it's a backhanded comment. Backhanded comments. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, here, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other to him also. This is releasing the rights to our personal dignity. This is not saying that I can't live with some pride about myself and, and, and be dignified in the way that I live and act. But what it's not giving me liberty to do is to lose control, lose self-control, and to retaliate in some way in a bigger or better way. The put-downs. I think about growing up in school and the yo mama jokes. And, and, and in the lunchroom in school, we would have yo mama jokes. And we would say, yo mama's this and yo mama's that. And you would just always one-up somebody. That's just boys living out in the world today. But there's all kinds. I looked up backhanded comments, and I've got a few for you. These are some things that people say to you. And they, they, you think, wait a minute, did I hear that correctly? Was that a compliment? No, it was a backhanded compliment. It was meant to be more of an insult than it was a compliment. Here's one. I always feel more intelligent after talking to you. Thank you. Hey, you're not as dumb as you look. <laughs> I love that one. I don't care what others say about you. You're all right in my book. That's not, that's not the ugliest shirt I've ever seen you wear. You look so much better without makeup. You look great for your age. For someone your size, you sure do dress nice. And by the way, that dress makes you look skinny. Thank you so much. I love your shirt. My granddad has one just like it. <laughs> Surprisingly, your kids are very well behaved. Your wife is so pretty. How did she end up with someone like you? You're really cool for a preacher. I've heard that before. I appreciate that, I think. And it must be nice to have a job like yours. Ha! So you see, backhanded comments are things that, that, that 
are, they may sound a little bit like a compliment, but there's got a back meaning to it. Jesus said to get rid of our petty plans for revenge. Our rights and the law of retaliation, if applied personally, tell us to let the insults fly. Respond to every insult with a better one. If someone takes a swing at us, then we want to swing back. But Jesus said, don't do it. You're going to release your rights to personal dignity. Number two, he said, we're going to release our rights to our property. What does that mean? He said, as for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. In their day and time, a coat was one of their most valued possessions because in in Jerusalem, in Israel, it would get hot during the day and very cold at night. And so a person's coat was something that they would use not just as a, as a cover, but also as a blanket to keep warm. And so if someone sued you and won the shirt off your back, Jesus said, don't just give them your shirt, give them your coat as well. And so our rights to our own property compels us to fight for what is ours. Jesus was condemning an attitude so focused on protecting our property that we lose sight of our responsibility to other people. And so Jesus advocated a generous lifestyle, even to those who had wronged us. And so in that way, Jesus is teaching us to be kind to other people. Even if they mistreat you, Romans 12, he says this in verse 19, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance is mine, God says, I will repay. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink because in doing that, you will be heaping coals of fire upon his head. Jesus said, Don't look for ways to get even. Look for ways to do better. Number three, Jesus said we release our rights to autonomy, to our own self-preservation. He said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. The Roman government had a law that if you, as a Jewish citizen, was confronted by a Roman citizen, and that Roman citizen asked you to carry their bags for them, then you had to stop what you were doing and where you were going, and you immediately had to pick up what they have and take it to where they needed you to go up to one mile in distance. They could only force you to do it for a mile. Imagine that. Imagine being in a hurry, going somewhere in the street, and a Roman soldier stops you. He's going the other way, and he says, I need you to carry this for me, and you have to carry it a mile that way, and then turn around and walk a mile back and pick up where you were and keep going. How frustrating was that? 
Jesus said, Jesus said, if that happens to you, don't be compelled to go one mile. Offer to go two. It's called going the extra mile. Doing more than is expected or required of you. Why? Because Jesus lives inside of you. It's releasing your right of autonomy and giving it away so that you can serve someone that doesn't anticipate you to go that far. Revenge, releasing your rights, means to do good to those who oppose you. Revenge never leads to repentance, but generosity can bring people to that point. And finally, number four, Jesus said we release our rights to our money. He said, give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Give. Give. Jesus is not talking about giving something that you don't have. He's referring to seeing a need and having the ability to meet that need and then walking away and not doing it or meeting that need with generosity. You're releasing your rights to your own money. And he said, so give to the one who asks of you. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He said, if you have the means to do it, make it happen. Well, I, I mean, somebody, if I do that, somebody's going to take advantage of me. Yep, they sure will. If I do that, somebody's going to probably steal from me. Yep, they probably will. If I do that, something bad is going to happen. I'm going to get ripped off. I'm going to get wronged. I'm going to be stolen from. Yes, yes, and yes, it is probably going to happen. But more times than not, I believe that God will bless the generosity and your help to other people will be an incredible blessing to them. You see, in this one passage alone, Jesus renders the law of retaliation obsolete. You are never more like the devil than when you seek revenge. And you are never more like Jesus than when you seek to forgive. See, you and I have got to learn the principle of hanging on loosely to things. Because when we hold on too tightly, we start to lose control. And so the law of retaliation, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was meant to be for the judicial system and for the person who was being judged and condemned and the person who was being uh, uh, found innocent and being helped so that they, neither one, would receive in excess what they deserved, both for the punishment and for the blessing. And so Jesus is taking what the Pharisees took and meant for evil and gave everybody the right in their eyes, according to God, to go and seek retaliation. Jesus says, oh, no, I'm not looking for retaliation. I'm looking for you to release these things and let them go. And so he renders the law of retaliation obsolete. These teachings of Jesus, this entire message is like sending a shock to the system. 
See, when we follow Jesus' teachings and commands, we shock our enemies, we disarm their arguments, and we reduce the heat in the situation. When we don't respond the way they think we're going to respond, instead, we move like Jesus. Jesus, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He said, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. Because I've learned that when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Jesus never called you and me to be a doormat. He called us to be a, 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 a sturdy piece of rock or iron upon which we can be used to sharpen the lives of others. Not to make them worse, but so that they would be better. And so for Christ's sake today, I urge you, give your life to Jesus Give your hurts, your pains, your problems, your bitterness to Jesus. Give those people to Jesus. And when you have the opportunity to encounter them, see them again. Return good for evil. Return love for hate. Return forgiveness for judgment. Give them what God has so richly given to you. Hold on loosely and let it go. Because if you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. Today, would you let it go, trust God, and watch Him go to work in and through your life? Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your teaching. And we give You praise for giving us another day to try to live this life for you, to make things right, to honor you, and to live our life in a way that pleases you. Father, forgive us for where we've held on to grudges, where we've, we've retaliated, we've cast judgment, we've been judge, jury, and executioner, maybe not outwardly, but in our heart. Help us, Lord, to let it go. Forgive us. And help us to love people the way you called us to love them. To love people the way you love us. For we once were enemies to you. And you loved us anyway. Help us to love you. To love others the way you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed day. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, -S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside, I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. 
First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.